It's 40 years that the station's been around. I hope it's around for the next 40 years. CR has been a trailblazer. It's still the leader and the benchmark in terms of actually engaging the community. The role it plays is really, really, really important. And the role it plays in empowering people on a personal level, empowering communities and giving communities the power to actually take a bit of control of their future cannot be underestimated. Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 23rd of July. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morrow and it's a lovely, cool day out there. And of course, uh, your APC is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. And how do you contact us, Giselle? <laughs> uh, you can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Twitter and Facebook, so you can also find us on those social media platforms. And you can ring us if you so desire. I don't think anybody makes telephone calls anymore, but you can reach us on 9663-7277. You can email us at aawl at aawl.org.au. Fantastic. And on today's program, we've got a number of uh, labour news updates as uh, as usual, but and also in the second half of the program, I will we'll bring you an interview with Sam Mora, who is the president of the Cambodian Food and Service Workers Federation, where he'll be talking about the, uh, the recent murder of uh, political activist and government critic Cam Lay and what it means for um, for uh, workers in Cambodia and the general climate for organising. But um, it's just on uh, three past nine o'clock here and we'll go to our first um, news story. We, um, um, well, this is a, a bit of good news, Giselle, to start off with, just a little bit. That the, um... And then we will shatter your dreams after that, listeners, so don't, <laughs> don't get too caught up in the hype. Um, the owners of Rana Plaza, finally have been indicted for murder that in a welcome move this week in Dhaka, Bangladesh, 41 people, including the owner of Rana Plaza, were indicted for murder for the death of over 1,100 workers. As uh, listeners remember, the collapse of the Rana Plaza, housing five garment factories in April of 2013, highlights to the world the abysmal conditions that garment workers faced. While some improvements to the garment sector have occurred since then, the garment industry is still characterised by unsafe workplaces, inhumane work hours and days, poverty wages and rampant repression of unions and labour activists. And certainly um, Giselle will have to keep an eye out to see how that court case actually uh, unfolds. Well, that's right. And also we shouldn't forget that a couple of weeks ago we announced that um, the victims of the Tazreen factory fire had finally been paid their compensation. And, you know, we we are looking at these um, struggles both from what we're winning but what we're not winning in them. 
Um, and this is a very, very significant step in that global campaign. But it's all, it was only possible because of the massive, massive international support and um, collective struggle of workers everywhere to um, to achieve that. So that's right. Looking now uh, at um, the at Australia and Philippine migrant Filipino workers here this week, the Australian industrial investigator, the Fair Work Ombudsman, found against the infrastructure and mining service giant. This over its treatment of some of its migrant workers. So Theus is the um, company that uh, I think they um, manufacture lifts, elevators. And oh, I think they, they do lots. It's one of those <laughs> lots companies. Of a, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Theus made the workers who were employed under Australia, uh, Australian Temporary Work Visa System sign employment contracts that threatened to sack and deport migrant workers if they joined a union. The company was forced to apologise to the workers and make a donation to the Filipino community. Unfortunately, the workers lost their jobs and have been left with outstanding debts. Unions have repeatedly uncovered workplace abuses of temporary workers in Australia as the visa system leaves these workers in a very vulnerable position. Yeah, it's a terrible story. And, and I think as I, as I read further into it, I think some of them actually had to leave Australia and go back to the Philippines. Um, so I'm not too sure where they're going to get the money. Um, the next one, we go to West Asia, to Turkey, where following the attempted military coup just over, just over a week ago that resulted in the death of over 200 people, the Erdogan government has moved swiftly against all opposition. In addition to arresting the military and police personnel who were involved in the actual coup, the Turkish government has instituted a state of emergency, giving it extraordinary powers. Now, just in the last few days... An estimated 13,000 members of the ministries of justice, interior and finance were either sacked or suspended, as well as over 35,000 teachers and other education workers. Now, these moves are quite clearly aimed at destroying workers' organisations that are seen as political opponents to the government. And Giselle, I think you do have a statement from a union. That's right. So um, for regular listeners of the show, you'll know that one of our um, international partners is the um, the Militant and Progressive Labour Federation in Turkey by the name of DISC, or that's the acronym, the um, DISC. So DISC, we, we've been in touch with them since the coup, obviously to, to check in on the comrades. We expected that many of our comrades would be arrested or murdered. Um, and last night I just heard from one of the, or the international officer who sent me the statement that the chair of DISC has made. So the chair of DISC goes by the name um, Kani Biko. And this is the statement I am going to read it out in its entirety because I thought it was very good. In the wake of the 15 July coup attempt, a three-month state of emergency was declared all over Turkey in accordance with suggestions from the National Security Council. Declaring a state of emergency following a coup attempt that aimed to completely suspend democracy will solve none of the country's problems, but only serve to realise the system of governance envisioned by the coup plotters. Turkey is being subjected to a nationwide state of emergency for the first time since the 12 September 1980 coup. Occasional states of emergency were implemented on a regional basis until 2002, but they were synonymous with extrajudicial murders, massacres, disappearances in custody and torture. For those who proffer that it won't be like that this time, just one look at their record under 
ordinary legal circumstances, provides warning as to the grave new threat to fundamental rights and freedoms. From the government's pun on the 1980-era catchphrase, should we feed them instead of hanging them, in support of capital punishment to the suspension of the European Convention on Human Rights, all the signals indicate that the government is not responding to the coup attempt in accordance with democracy and universal values. Let no one forget that the coup plotters bombed the country's parliament. The decision to sideline the Turkish Grand National Assembly, which had provided a very pointed reply to the coup plotters' attacks, cannot be explained with democracy. The only term appropriate is a counter-coup. It is also clear that workers' rights are severely threatened by the state of emergency. In an atmosphere in which the quest for all manners of rights has been prohibited, the rights that workers have won could be stripped away without even a cursory hearing in Parliament's General Assembly. From the theft of the right to severance to the obligatory individual retirement system, the government will be able to impoverish workers and reduce their employment security without encountering any resistance from workers' struggles, the courts or the parliamentary opposition. It will be possible to convert the state of emergency into a state of unprecedented exploitation for capital. One cannot categorise an authoritarian system of governance devoid of any legal foundation as a struggle against coups with the legal window dressing of a state of emergency. Turkey does not need to pick from the least worst of uh, of a perfidious bunch of coup plotters and dictators. Turkey does not need torture, capital punishment and a state of emergency. Turkey does not need to see its parliament effectively sidelined. All these violations are part of the aims and goals of civilian and military coups. What Turkey needs is democracy, secularism and peace and for all of its people to create a country in which all can freely practice their beliefs, express their thoughts and live in dignity. With its demands in favour of labour, peace, democracy and secularism, DISC has always stood against all coups and all attempts to impose a dictatorship and will do so once more against the new state of emergency. Well, very interesting. And we'll certainly have to um, keep uh, a look out on what's happening over the next few days. Oh, sorry. I, uh, my uh, microphone was out. Thank you very much, Giselle. I'm not too sure what, how that happened, but I did say that. Uh, very interesting. We'll have to keep a lookout on that. It's just on 10 past 9 o'clock. We now go to India, where the fight for the Maruti Suzuki workers continues. This week, thousands of workers in the Gurgun Manasa Bawal automotive belt uh, in northern India, defied government bans against the holding of demonstrations to come out and forcefully call for the release of their jailed fellow workers. The workers rallied on the fourth anniversary of the death of a plant manager that occurred in clashes between workers and company hired thugs. This clash was the outcome of a long-running, ongoing industrial dispute. Following the death of the manager, 148 workers were arrested, with 35 still remaining in jail. While the flawed justice system is a focus of the protest, the underlying fight continues for workers' rights to organise and to have a living wage and safe workplaces. And in Korea this week, in a strong show of protest to the recent jail sentences handed down to Labour leaders, an estimated 100,000 workers took to the streets throughout South Korea. Workers were also protesting against a recent wave of layoffs as well as demanding a higher minimum wage.
In a separate display of workers' power, earlier in the week, tens of thousands of workers from Hyundai factories took partial strike actions against South, across South Korea. More strikes and workers are more strikes of workers are planned in the coming weeks and months. And um, as our last uh, news item uh, roundup, I think that's all, isn't it, Giselle? If I've counted correctly, this is a, a breaking uh, news story. Where in Thailand, just to show that we've talked a lot about Thailand, the um, there's a journalist Andrew McGregor Marshall who has written a book, uh, A Kingdom in Crisis: Thailand's Struggle for Democracy in the 21st Century. Uh, he's been banned uh, from Thailand for a number of years now. Or his book has been banned, but his wife, who is Thai, and uh, Number one uh, ploy Bundlesip was in Thailand visiting family just uh, the last few days with the three-year-old son. She's actually been detained and arrested and is being uh, denied um, any legal representation. And the official um, reason that she got arrested was because she's the wife of Andrew McGregor. So we'll certainly um, um, keep an eye on that, on the level of repression of in Thailand. And that's really the end of our news roundup for today. We'll have a couple of announcements uh, later in the show, but we'll go to a committee announcement and then we'll be back with the interview with Samora about the situation in Cambodia. IPAN is inviting you to attend its anti-war conference and join the Close Pine Gap protests from the 26th of September to the 2nd of October in Alice Springs. Pine Gap facilitates US war activities, international espionage and their killer drone program. It's time to stop the drift to war and free Australia from US military bases. For more information on the IPAN conference, go to ipan.org.au and for protest details, see closepinegap.org. IPAN is a 3CR supporter. Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 94198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. That's right. Don't forget, if you haven't paid up your radio donation, you haven't done it, there is still time to do it. Um, as a lot of listeners would know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a political assassination in Cambodia of uh, Kem Lai, who was a social critic and a human rights act- activist. I um, caught up with um, Samora, who is the president of the... I'm just getting the the right wording of his union among all these pieces of paper which I've now lost it, there you go um, Giselle, my um, anyway, you can, no there you go, I found that uh, you can hear all the pieces of paper Giselle's there in the background laughing fortunately her microphone is turned off, anyway, seriously folks Samora is the president of the Cambodian Food and Service Workers Federation so I caught up him earlier this week to ask him what the uh, political association of Cam Lai meant to civil society in Cambodia and to the unions in particular. 
Last week, and to be precise, on the 10th of July, the Cambodian political scene was rocked by the assassination of Kem Lai. Can you tell us some of the background of who Kem Lai was and why do people think he was uh, murdered? Kem Lai, he is political and social uh, analysis and he always talk on radio media to criticize the government. At the same time, he was also uh, giving the solution to, to the government. But anyway, we find that even though there are some improvement, it's not very much improving. And uh, at the same time, he always uh, help some specific projects or kind of campaign. Like uh, recently, he have like 109 campaign. He stay at the village with the people and try to understanding the situation. And at the same time, recently, like global uh, witness uh, report in terms of the uh, businesses of the Prime Minister Hun Sen family, I think it is uh, like thinking of maybe uh, assassination. So in other words, you think because he was a critic of, of some of the corruption in government and some of the powerful elites and because he campaigned on the issue of human rights, that was the reason he was uh, killed? Yeah, because there is no other issue or no other problem was involved in his. So only his activism, only his try to do a lot of work for Cambodian people. And he always show sympathy to the victim, to the poor. Even, even our union, sometimes uh, he had to do some organizational development project for, for free. He, 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 didn't, he didn't get, or sometimes he get very small fee from union or from a small, small organization. So he have in good willing to or to the victim. And then he always criticized the, the system that is not working. So I think it's not all in any personality. Even though after the arrest of the perpetrators and then he confessed that he shoot Kamlai because of Kamlai was loaned him three thousand US dollar but no one believed in that and here now the process of of the police and court, it's, it's not uh, transparency and, and make a lot of suspicious on this uh, process. Unfortunately, this is not the first time that critics of the government have been killed or have died in mysterious circumstances. Do you think this is going to make people more afraid to speak out against uh, corruption and for better living wages and conditions in Cambodia? From my uh, understanding, it is one of uh, the strategic that they don't want any people to criticize the government and they don't want any people to raise more awareness to the people at the ground. People like Kamlai, many people from uh, rural area, he said that they got information from his analysis and he, they understand very well about the situation. So I think this is one of the impact. He, he make people aware about the current situation. And they don't want to have more people talk or criticize or, 
or say anything about current situation or any problem that they have faced. This is the way of to make people keep silent. Because in terms of weight, in terms of other uh, social issue, it's still remaining in, in Cambodia. I think this is this is the way of silent people. It's sure that more or less it will be uh, affected to the movement. What effect will have on labor organization? Because we've seen over the last few years, there's been a lot of mobilization by workers in Cambodia, including your union, for better conditions and for better living wages. Do you think this will also make uh, labor organizers, labor activists, more afraid to come out? Yeah, uh, more or less, it will be affect uh, the labor movement. And and as you know, in Cambodia, it's the strongest uh, movement that try to fight for working condition, for wage, for social justice. So labor movement is, is the strongest one. So more or less, it is uh, will be affected to uh, this kind of intimidation or this kind of uh, treatment. So even for now, for, for some of union leader, they are feel not safe in this kind of situation. So that's uh, that's uh, what our concern. As a last uh, question, Maura, uh, just to focus on your situation as a trade unionist and labour organiser, there's a new labour law now in uh, Cambodia that will effectively restrict the right of uh, or- organising among workers. Has that come into implementation yet and what effect has, ha- has it had? It's trade union law. It is newly proposed by government passed uh, by Quill uh, this year and it take into enforcement uh, last month. So now we have to comply, we have to follow with the new trade union law. And what we are understanding, the new trade union law will be affect to worker rights to organize, especially right to organize and uh, bargaining rights. So of will um, restrict some of the worker for organizing. For example, like there are barriers uh, to be a union leader like requirement of uh, able to read and write and as as of the understanding that uh, in Cambodia is still like 20 to 30 percent of workers still not uh, able to read and write but some of them have a good part to support their co-worker to, to help the other worker but they will have no chance to be a union leaders at the same time also uh, we have to declare I would say that we yeah, not have been convicted of uh, any crime uh, so far. So some of the union leader was uh, filed complaint by employer to the court, and then they cannot be. And then Ministry of Labor they refuse to a registration for them. So it will be uh, hard. And in context of Cambodia, it's a uh, court. It's not independent and then uh, will be used by the powerful or by the employers to, to stop anyone or someone from to be a union uh, leaders. Uh, and also will be a fight to right to strike because of in order to call a strike, uh, you have to get uh, 50% plus one of a union member for a meeting. So it will be difficult to who are, for example, 
uh, in one factory they have uh, 5000 members so and then they need to have 2000 plus for a meeting so it will be challenge for the union then they cannot go on strike and the other uh, problem also you cannot uh, carry out any activity or do anything without registration it will be considered as illegal and also can be criminalized so so it will be a problem a big problem because you are doing a union work and then you are criminalized so and this law this new trade union law also will give a lot of rise to ministry of uh, labor and also to the court to suspend or the registration or to dissolve the union so what we're understanding it is should be the right of the member who are decide whether they are have to continue their uh, union night or so this is what we're understanding especially in context of Cambodia where we can see that the judicial system they corrupted this system so maybe uh, difficult for uh, independent or kind of uh, progressive union. This is one of the strategies of the government to limit the space of the civil society and also the way of intimidate or threaten to the movement. Thank you for that, Mora, for that very good uh, and clear explanation. And um, we certainly um, wish you and all your comrades all the best and make sure that you look after yourself. Thank you, Pierre. Thank you. Three CR, always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. It's just on, um, what is that, 26 past 9 o'clock and we've just got a couple of minutes of for a couple of announcements and that was an interview with Samora from uh, Cambodia, a unionist who's talking about the... Uh, uh, the the meaning of the assassination of Kamla, especially to workers in um, in Cambodia. We've just got a couple of announcements. Giselle. <laughs> Pierre's in fine form this morning. Um, that's right. I wanted to just remind people that the dispute at CUB is continuing and the comrades there do need your support. Um, so just to remind you, 55 people at the Carlton and United Breweries were sacked earlier this month. They were replaced with non-union labour and offered their jobs back at 65% uh, pay cut. So that um, community picket is at, at the Abbotsford Brewery. Uh, I'm told, and of course I know, it's the biggest factory remaining and the almost the only factory remaining in Abbotsford. You can't miss it. Um, but also if you go to our website, we're going to release it again this weekend. Um, they, need, uh, they need funds to keep the picket line going, to keep the um, men and women fed on that line and certainly to support those comrades um, going forward.
That's right. And it's uh, right on the banks of the Yarra, just to give people a bit more of geographic look of where it is. Um, our apologies for not having brought the the, uh, the uh, actual street um, name. But um, the last uh, announcement is that tomorrow... Uh, Sunday at half past 2pm at the Multicultural Hub at uh, 506 Elizabeth Street, Melbourne. There's going to be a question and answer session, a short talk by um, Tien Chua. Now, Tien Chua uh, from Malaysia, who is a politician from Malaysia, but he was also a uh, for many years a, um, a, a human right and an activist and a dissident. He, um, he was in jail um, in Malaysia about 15 years ago for two years under the Internal Security Act. He is now a, um, a member of uh, Parliament for the party Catalin uh, Rakyat, an opposition party in Parliament of Malaysia. So he's he's here in Melbourne for a quick visit. So if you're interested to know more about, and we brought you a lot of information about um, Malaysia over the last few months, what's happening there, um, certainly go go along to this. It's a free event. It's at the Multicultural Hub at 506 Elizabeth Street. Uh, tomorrow, Sunday at half past two, all welcome. And that's all that we've got um, time for. It's just on 29 past nine o'clock. Um, that's all for us. Uh, my name is Pierre Morrow. We'll be back next week. I'm Giselle Hanna. Thanks for tuning in. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.